2: Plus. Everybody, wants Everybody wants to be, to be but nobody, nobody wants to do. To do. Girl, it's, girl, it's high, time high, to girl, be real, real raw, raw, and relentless. relentless. Everybody girl, wants to be, to be, but nobody girl, wants, wants to, to do. do. You know it's time. Today's episode is sponsored by The Lit Brunch. Live in truth. It is a private intensive for the woman ready to unleash her inner badass. This brunch will be taking place at Hudson Grill Brookhaven in Atlanta, Georgia, from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. on June 8th. You must RSVP in order to be in the building. Do you feel stuck? Do you feel like you could be, do, and have more? Do you feel like your mindset is programmed for success? In this private intensive, Dana truly inspired Martin, Nofisa Caseman all the way from the UK, and the one and only Kendall Ficklin will be bringing you information designed to shake up your world, highlighting the limiting beliefs which keep you stuck in your story, providing you with the tools to speak your truth and develop your confidence, support you in shifting your mindset and preparing for success, and providing you with the tools to overcome setbacks. But until you put yourself around the people that can help you get there, you'll always just be destined for without actually arriving. Go ahead and head on over to thelitbrunch.eventbrite.com. Tickets are only $10, but there's only a few spaces left. Don't miss out. What's up, guys? It's your girl, Truly Inspired Martin, and welcome to another episode of Recrown You, the podcast. You guys already know who we are here for. We are here for the women who are ready to be real, raw, and relentless in their pursuit to unleash their inner badass. So what does that mean for you? That means that there's some stuff in your past that you have not dealt with, and it's time to let that stuff go. That means that it's time to talk about those untalkables. Yeah, I make up words on this podcast, right? We're going to start laying it out on the table. I'm bringing topics to you that a lot of us are scared to talk about. And I don't just want any and everybody on the podcast because I want people that are going to come and share a piece of them. Be real. Be raw. And these women are definitely relentless in their pursuit to unleash their inner badass. So today's episode is no different from any other one. We're getting into it, honey. Okay. And y'all know that it is Mental Health Awareness Month, which is a really big deal to me because these are the conversations we don't have. These are the things we don't talk about. We don't talk about the scars that we are left with after the things that take place in our lives. And that can put us in all these different states of anxiety, depression and all types of other mental health issues that we do not deal with. And you have to confront those things so that you can get past those things, right? So I'm going to get into a little bit of statistics because, you know, that's just how I do, right? So we're doing the statistics today, and you guys are going to kind of get an idea of where we're going with this episode based on the statistics, baby. So here we go. 42 to 45% of marriages in the U.S. end in divorce first time marriages that's a heavy number right but then i looked at this one this one kind of caught me off guard 60% of second marriages end in divorce ooh the numbers is getting higher baby 73% of third marriages end in divorce now i mean this is according to you know mckinley dot com right he seems very knowledgeable about this topic here, so I'm pretty sure I could maybe trust his statistics or maybe I could just trust the words of some women that actually went through this right. And I think that that's important for us to open up and talk about divorce. And no, I've never been divorced. Sure, I ain't even been married yet, right? But the fact of the matter is us having these conversations and talking about the things that women go through when they go through this is that thing that will open up the conversation for women to heal, right? So here's one last one for you. About three out of every four divorced people will remarry. Three out of every four. <laughs> like... I could go on and on about statistics, but you guys could just go on google.com and look these things up, honey. It is serious, okay? And this is what we are getting into today. So y'all know I'm excited. Because today we having to let a girl talk, okay, with two amazing powerhouse women. And I'm saying two because it's about to be an amazing blast of energy on here. So... I wanted to take divorce from a perspective of two different women living two separate lives, two different generations. We got a 27-year-old and a 38-year-old. And I know some of you guys are saying, well, I mean, 27 and 38 ain't that much big of a difference. You're wrong. Okay, there's a difference and there's a generational gap there, and the thinking is different. The pain might be relatively the same, but the coping mechanisms are different. The things that you endure afterwards are different, and everybody's voice matters, right? So, today's episode is called Divorce Breaking Through the Breakup. Whoo, honey, we are breaking through the breakup today. So, I hope you guys are ready. Got you a little notepad and pen because these two ladies right here be dropping some gems. So I hope you're ready to catch them as they fall. Grab you a bottle of wine, cuddle up next to this podcast, and uh, let's get into it. So today's guest, I have Destiny Inspires. She is an empowerment juggernaut. Destiny Inspires LLC is her company, and she lives by the slogan, live in purpose and empower your world. But on the other hand, I got Miss Tanya Carter. She is the divorce coach, okay? So you know I had to bring her in here. She is the divorce coach. She is the owner of Miss Tanya Speaks. And her tagline is, don't let your breakup cause you to break down where you stay down. It's time for you to divorce your entire story, okay? I'm, I'm here for all of this. And both of these ladies have both been through divorce so you know it's about to get a little hot and heavy in this place so i'm about to bring one of them to the stage right now and then we're gonna make this a girl chat we're gonna get them together but let's start with numero uno destiny what's good
3: hey 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 miss dana how you feeling today i
2: am good i am good honey how are you doing
3: i cannot complain i'm above ground
2: and every day above ground is a great day hey now well, I am excited about this conversation with you and Miss Tanya, because I know it's about to get Yes, gotten honey.
3: Gotten. Come on. So, you know it.
2: Real quick, tell us about uh, you and what you do so I can, I can give them Miss Tanya, too.
3: Yes, so I go by the inspirational moniker, Destiny Inspire. I am an empowerment speaker, award-winning life coach and author, also a mentor and CEO of Destiny Inspire LLC. I'm also known as the empowerment juggernaut. A juggernaut is a huge, overwhelming, powerful force crushing any and everything in its path. And that is what my platform does. I help you crush any and everything that is in your path in the way of your dreams, your goals and living In your purpose to empower not just the world but your world.
2: Ooh, it already got a little hot in here. It's a little steamy. Ooh, let's go ahead. (laughs) Come on, Miss Tanya. Tell the world about you. Love me some Miss Tanya. What's up,
4: Miss Tanya? Hey girl. How you doing?
2: Good, good, good. Tell us about you, what you do, what you do.
4: Okay. Well, my name is Tanya Carter. I am the divorce coach. Um, What I do is I work with women who have experienced divorce or any bad breakup. And we go through the process of divorcing your entire story. You know, many of us divorce the person. We let go of the individual, but we still stay We hold on to the pain and the hurt that a breakup can cause us which not allows us to move forward with the next chapter in our lives. And so it's important to know that this is a chapter of your life and not the entire book. I, am, um, I do have a coaching community called Reinvent You, and I also have a 12-week um, divorce program that I do to work with women to divorce their story. And so I am an upcoming author. My book should be finished in a few weeks, Damn. and I'm also a speaker as well. And I am a mother of two children, and I'm from Atlanta
2: hey okay so we we already see the energy y'all we see the energy (laughs) it's two different perspectives two different women same mission same purpose to help women and I'm here for it so Mm -hmm. we go we gonna toss the ball around a little bit we're gonna make this real conversational and give them that real girl sides fireside chat right so what was your experience with divorce miss Tanya hmm
4: so my experience with divorce was um I'm not going to lie. I'm going to say that it definitely was something that was needed, but I didn't know the effect that it was going to have on me. Um, I thought that, you know, once I divorce him, girl, my life is going to be good. Right. But it didn't really work out that way. Um, I was very hurt. However, you know, when you're this woman, especially a black woman, you're taught to be so strong that you just wear this mask and you pretend like you're okay. Okay. When you're really not, excuse me, allowing yourself to truly deal with the issues. And so when we decided to go our separate ways, I lost my job two weeks after. um, Resulting in a five job loss in a four year time frame. Um, A lot of financial hardships um, that really that was the biggest thing. And, you know, just trying to act like I had it all together and acting like everything was good. I mean, truth be told, it just wasn't. I was hurt. I was angry. And, you know, people just tell you to get over it. You know what I'm saying? Or they tell you to get up under somebody else. And that's not the solution. The solution is to really heal and really accept the fact that you're hurting. You know, as a divorce coach, divorce is a death. Okay. And we all know what it's like to lose someone that we love. And we wouldn't like someone to tell us to get over it. Right. You know what I'm saying? So I teach my clients to get through it. You got to get through it and it has to be extremely, extremely intentional or you'll find yourself doing the same thing over and over again. My, when I got divorced, I saw a lot of the same things over and over again, even with some of the men that I found myself entertaining. Mm. Okay. And so that's why it's important for us to divorce the story. And you know what I'm saying? Like, don't just walk away from the person. Like it may, that might be some of the issue, but that is not the solution. The solution is for you to dig deep and heal and see what's going on internally so we can pull those roots and so we can intentionally move forward. And that's what I didn't do because no one, I was never taught that. I was never taught to deal with emotions. I was taught to suck it up, you know, girl, you're strong and move on. But you cannot move on and live a thriving life with that form of baggage walking with you. Whew,
2: dear God. Okay, so you just said so much. And I know somebody took something from that right there. But here's one thing I took. Divorce is a death. It's just mm-hmm. like a death. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, i never been married. But even being in relationships where I literally felt like my heart was ripped out of my chest. And I wanted to sleep under the covers for days and nights. I don't want to eat. I don't want to sleep. And that's the same way I felt when my aunt died. Right? It's that same grieving that you feel. And I'm so sick and tired of people always just saying, get over it or just like suck it up. Miss Tanya, you, you hitting on something right there. You are definitely hitting on something right there. Destiny, what, what was your experience? What did that look like for you?
3: Well, I first have to start by saying uh, J.K. Rowland says that a uh, rock
2: bottom became the foundation
3: upon which I rebuilt my life. Mm. So the process of divorce for me, that was my rock bottom. I come from a household of a two parent home who have been happily married that I've even witnessed and experienced for 40 plus years. And so that was my reality. It was, Oh no, I'm going to get married. You know, we always say my first marriage will be my last marriage. Like right. so I'm like, this is just a fairy tale. You find a good man, you settle down, you marry him, you start a family, you know, the whole nine. So when this experience began to happen to me i had trouble accepting it so the acceptance piece was the most difficult for me because i'm like no this isn't supposed to happen to me not me like i i tried to go through the steps like i thought i was fireproofing my marriage i was like you know what this can't fail like i'm a great woman you know so when it did happen i never considered that it
0: was all
3: Part of God's plan. And of course, we don't want to say that. We don't want to be like, oh, you know, it was meant to be or it wasn't meant to be. But the reality of it is, in my book, I have um, my book, Discovering Destiny, a 31 day guide to finding yourself and fulfilling your purpose. I have a chapter called uh, Parting from the Plan. And a lot of us, we have the problem with when we formulated this surefire plan that we feel like cannot fail, we have trouble accepting when changes come to alter our plan because ultimately the plan we have for our lives is not the plan that God may have for our life. And the adage goes, uh, man plans, God laughs. And so that was truly my reality. So trying to deal with a young woman, I got married young. I met my ex-husband when I was 19 years old. We were together from the time that I was 19 till I was 26. So I've only been divorced uh, a year. This December will make two years. So, involving that much of my life to someone at such a young age, when it began to crumble and fall apart, I was completely devastated. Like I, and I tell this story so much. I was so ashamed because I was a girl that people put on the pedestal like, Oh, she's got the marriage. She's, you know, she's the church girl. She's a servant lead. Like I was all of these things. So trying to go through something so private in such a public way, it was shameful It was hurtful I did not know how to deal with it I began to self medicate like I was not prepared for it but I finally had to come to the realization that um, I had to develop from my destruction so what I thought was destruction really became my development and even now when I tell people I tell them I am happily divorced not because I'm happy to be separated from that person but because divorce worked a greater work in me that I never may have experienced while married. So I am not destiny inspired in the empowerment juggernaut without divorce. So it doesn't define who I am, but it does develop who I've become. So that's been my experience, you know, really just going through that process and the healing.
0: Ooh. Ooh,
2: this is, this is a lot. This is heavy. You said a lot, right? And, I'm, I'm just listening to both of your perspectives on this. And there's a lot of similarities that cross over in there too. But you said, what is, what is your rock bottom? Um, and that, that I think people don't even look at it that way. Like I know, you know, that saying that sometimes people say, oh, it could have been worse. Um, or it could have been you like, you're glad you didn't go through that. But to me, it's kind of like, you don't know what somebody else's rock bottom is.
3: Absolutely.
2: And when you're looking at divorce People, I'm sorry, like people take stuff how they take stuff and people have their own way of healing. And I didn't even ask you, Miss
4: Tanya, when was mm-hmm. your divorce? Um, well, it's, it's so crazy because, um, Destiny and I have a couple of different similarities. I got divorced very young too. I got divorced when I was, um, 29 years old. Mm. So, you know, that is very similar. So I got married at the age of 22 and I know many people will say, well, you got married at a young age. Ah, It doesn't matter. It's all about maturity. It's a lot of people who are in their forties and fifties that are getting married because I have, you know, i work with clients that are, you know, of that age. So it's really a maturity, a maturity thing. Um, and we separated when I was 28. Hmm. We separated um, when I was 28 years old, and so our divorce was finalized in 2010. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, so being all right, so boom, I love it. So being that destiny, so you you're just a year out of divorce, correct? And, and Miss Tanya, you were right around 29, so I can say that you guys probably had a divorce around the same age, right?
4: Yes, yeah, yeah, basically close to. Mm-hmm.
2: What? what kind of stuff did you deal with mentally? Like, were there signs that people could see that you were going through depression? Like what were your coping mechanisms and stuff that you wish you would have done differently? Whoever wants to go first.
3: Um, I'll start with that. So for me, because I had not been accustomed to what I consider was my tragedy. Um, I always say I had to find a strategy from my tragedy. And for me, that was a tragedy for me because I've, you know, built my life around, you know, just I'm going to do it like this. I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to follow the steps and, you know, it can't fail. And so for me, when it did come crashing down, because I did not have systems in place um, to facilitate my process of growth and healing. um, Like I said, I began to self-medicate when I tried to uh, when people looked at me, they they couldn't tell. From the outside, because I was always the girl that was able to put on the facade because I was a servant leader. I was the the, the the person that wanted to see everybody else happy. So I never exposed my vulnerabilities to people. So it was really hard to even know. And the crazy thing is I tell people I went three months being divorced and nobody ever knew. And then I still wore a ring. So mm. I just hit it so well. And of course, people who may have were closest to me, they could sense that something was wrong. They saw, you know, they kind of started seeing a breakdown in me. But even then, uh, because no one was used to me having these types of feelings in these moments, no one really knew how to handle it. So I didn't have people that reached out early on. I was like, hey, are you OK? Like, you know, I see you maybe struggling in this area. Like it was just like, okay, I guess she'll get over it. Like she'll be okay. She's the strong one. Like she's helping our marriages. She's helping our, you know, our platform. She's helping our lives. Like she'll be fine. And so not feeling like I really had that go to system initially. Um eventually I did develop a team, you know, a system of helps. But early on it was difficult. And I was raised in the church, and so some things like that are taboo. Like, we don't speak on that, especially when you're in leadership. Like, you don't just show your vulnerabilities like that for the people. So trying to hide it, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I knew that I told guys, like, you have to do something to me because I can't live this life and still keep this platform because I know I'm not right. Like, I began to self-medicate. Like, I'm not going to lie. I started drinking, and I've never drank in my life, was never a drinker, but I felt like I needed something to just take away and numb this pain. Cause I didn't know who to go to. So I did get into drinking. Um, I was going out, uh, but finally I had to reach that point where I was like, your purpose is bigger than the pain that you're going through. And when I finally sat down and made that decision with myself, like either we're going to stay in this destruction or we're going to develop. And when I made the internal, Tanya talk about before, you have to be intentional. When I intentionally said that this is not how my story ends, I said you will not assimilate destiny with divorce. Divorce and destiny don't go together. So when I decided I was not going to make that my identity and do what Tanya says and divorce my story, That's when I was able to receive healing. That's when I was able to get connected with people who could help facilitate that process of growth and change and development. Uh, So that's kind of how I dealt with it to get to where I am now. And even now, I'm still making sure I'm self-aware. Certain triggers that I think may come up, I'm like, okay, Des, listen, let's deal with this now because this looks like it may be a trigger. So uh, that's really my process
2: and my journey so far. Miss Tanya, (laughs) Miss Tanya, what what, that look like for you?
4: when i okay could you repeat the question because i was all into what destiny was saying girl i was like like, uh what what
2: was it it?" like what (laughs) what did because you guys divorced around the same age so like Mm -hmm. around that time of divorce like what did your mental health look like what were some of your coping mechanisms and maybe something that you would have did different now
4: Mm, wow you know it's crazy that you asked me that because um, again, when I when I encountered the divorce, you know, I'm thinking, oh, I'm just going to, you know, life is just going to work out. So in other words, what I've learned is that if you do not purposely design your life, your life will get designed by default. And so because I wasn't in- intentional about designing my life, it gave me whatever. See, life, life never gives you what you want. You have to go after it or you got to throw back what life throws at you. And so what I end up doing is that I went out a lot. So the Saturdays that my my children were with their father, every Saturday I went out. Every Saturday I, I went out to the bar, I drank, you know, I was, you know, quote unquote, living my best life when in reality I wasn't, I was having fun, but I wasn't being fulfilled. And that's the difference. And so what I realized is that that became my culture. Um, that was a way of coping with things. I would never tell people that I wasn't okay. Um, I would never tell people that I was hurting I would internalize it, but not in a in a way to move forward. You know, I would just kind of keep it in. And what happens is when you keep that stuff in, it festers and you can really find yourself exploding, breaking down, experiencing um, bodily issues. And that's what people don't understand about healing and why it's so essential. When people say I can't sleep, I'm having migraines, I'm irritated, I'm suffering from depression that comes from not allowing yourself to deal with what's inside as a single mother and as a mother of two. You know, you know, I felt like, OK, I'm just going to give my kids everything they need, make everything about my kids. And that is not a good idea either. What you know, your goal is to be an emotionally healthy mom, because what happens is when we go through what we go through and our children do not experience us getting through that, that is going to intentionally um, like rub off on them. Mm -hmm. And so my coping mechanism was believing that moving forward to another relationship was the solution Mm -hmm. when I found myself being involved in a situationship. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's a difference. Okay. Because what happens is, and then you act like you're okay with it. When in reality, you're not just to not deal with what's really going on inside of you. You find yourself settling for less than what you deserve. What I realized is that I promise you some of the same characteristics that I had in my ex-husband. I found myself dealing with again. Okay. And so I had to, you know, eventually pause. Okay. And really look at my life. You know, I was like, man, I really, my life sucks right now. When my father had his heart attack back in 2015, that's what woke my eyes up. You know, I am a a pastor's kid. Okay. I grew up in the church. Divorce is like, Uh, that topic that people just don't want to talk about. They act like it's not going on when not when what people need to understand the church is the place for sinners and for people to heal. And so what I realized is that when my dad had that heart attack, it made me look at my life and was like, I really hate my life. I'm not happy. Yes, I was working. I was taking care of my children. I was doing that. I was paying bills. But I think that's what you call adulting. okay? but I was not I was not internally happy. I wasn't joyful and fulfilled. And that's when I humbled myself because it's a humbling experience for you to say, I really do not like the journey that I'm taking and God, I need you to help me. And so it was about letting go and surrendering and releasing control and saying, okay, God, I'm gonna let you direct my life. And that was a big humbling experience because at that time I was around 34 years old. And so that changed my whole life, like literally changed my whole life. I just started getting to the the root of the things that I was doing. I came into a place of acceptance of myself as I realized this wasn't even about my ex-husband no more. This was all about Tanya. And when you take that focus off things that you can't control and focus on what you can, that's when you can live a thriving life.
2: That's what I call controlling your controllables, honey. And right. that—that's what you gotta—you gotta focus on you. And I think we get so wrapped up in the who's and the whats and what's going on around us that we forget that the healing starts within. Right. And I think you and Destiny have um, a lot in common, even right there. Destiny, did you grow up in the church too?
3: <laughs> yeah, we honey. Did. Yes, I <laughs> was <laughs> am
2: PK.
3: Like my Y'all father always, yeah, was the pastor. So your life mm-hmm. is on display for the world to see. Uh, You have to maintain the image, the poise, the posture, just everything. Mm -hmm. And that for me, that actually was a big part, played a huge part for me, because like you say, you can't just show vulnerability. You can't grieve like other people grieve because you always have to be mindful of what you represent, who you represent and church. A lot of times has a habit of creating that culture of it's for perfect people. And it's not Um, once I got divorced. What really catapults me into what I do now is realizing how many other women deal with the exact same thing, no matter your religious or spiritual status. We're all human. We all deal with the same things. So for me, once I took down that that image and that that mask, I actually sat myself down because I was, again, a servant leader and leading a ministry. So I sat myself down because I had to intentionally say I cannot continue to pour from an empty cup. And I can't keep leading and bleeding at the same time. Like I'm trying to lead others, but I'm bleeding as well. And they always say, if you don't you know, find healing, you'll bleed on people who did not cut you. So it was essential for me to take that step down and say, you know what, I have to work on destiny because destiny is not where she needs to be. And before I can continue to pour into people, my biggest thing is I wanna always be pure and I wanna be sincere.
1: Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DDW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
3: So I'm not going to be perfect because, you know, none of us are perfect and that's not what the world is. But I have to be as pure as I can be, and I cannot do that with a clear conscience, knowing that I am dealing with things and I'm not addressing them. I'm not making the decision to work through them. I'm trying to help other people, and I haven't started helping myself. In life, you have uh you have choice, you have chance, you have change. You have to make the choice to take that chance to see the change that you want. So I had to do that. Like I had to intentionally make a choice and say I'm going to change my life for the better no matter what the cost. If that means people looking at me differently because I can't match this picture of perfection that they've given me, so be it. And it has been essential to my growth. Like now I always say live in your truth. Like no matter what it is, no matter who you are, even now, I still deal with things, but I'm very transparent with it. Of course, you use wisdom, but I'm transparent with I'm not perfect and we're going to work through this together. And my coaching community, I started um, Queen Council. That's really what I want to emphasize, that we're all winning, striving and growing together. So I've not arrived, but I've gotten somewhere farther along than someone else may be. And it's not enough for me to win and succeed if I can't reach out and help another queen and help them get to where I am. And then together we move forward. So yeah, honey, don't get me started.
2: I heard you say leading and bleeding at the same time.
3: At the same time. That
2: brings me to a point for both of you guys, right? So there's a lot of us that are leading and bleeding at the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. Me being one of them, right? Like I've been there and there's days where I still am there. And I'm going through it, right? And I'm broken, I'm busted, I'm disgusted, I'm hurt. But I know my purpose is to help women, is to give them that power, is to be there, to be that leading light for them, right? But on the other side, I'm bleeding out and there's nobody there to help me clean this mess up. So I'm wondering, have you guys ever sought counseling after your divorce?
3: So for me, I... I didn't go get professional counseling, but I had friends or people who were in the field who were counselors, I guess in a way. Yes. But like their therapy, like anything that's therapeutic. um, I got mentorship. I got coaching like I got when I finally got to the place where I realized I needed the help like this. You you can't do this on your own. It completely changed my life. Because for once I was able to be around someone who I could be completely vulnerable with without being judged and without that, you know, the judgmental or whole, you know, religiosity, you know, complex going on. Like, I could just be like, listen, I'm jacked up, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And it just felt so good to just be honest at the same time i had people that turned on me looked at me crazy they were like you know what i wrote you off because they weren't used to seeing me in that place when i you know had to take that step down and just walk away from everything um i always had to reinvent redefine and realign my life and to do that i had to get from around my same environment i had to create a new environment of people that cultivated the the health and healing that i needed so finding people who could act in that place as, you know, counselor or therapist, you know, those types of things, that was essential for me.
2: Nice. Miss Tanya, mental health?
1: Did you get the um, chance
2: to go get mental health
4: or anything? I did not go to therapy or counseling. In the beginning, you know, if I can just be straight up about right. it, um, I didn't think I was the problem. Ah, uh, yes. And so, seriously, um that was not something that was – I didn't think that that was something that I needed to do. If that made sense, you know how sometimes we think that that might be what you need to do, but I'm good. And that was my ego. And that was me not being, um, knowledgeable of what the purpose of therapy was. So I did not go. Um, I was trying to, you know, be that strong woman, figure it out. Yeah. Um, when I humbled myself, And um, I turned to God. That was my very first thing that I really need to intentionally do. I'm not saying that because it sounds very cliche. It's really real. And then I started being around different people. So that's when I joined a community. That's when I started reading books. I started reading books in 2015 and I was just doing my own self work um, because I just got really self-aware when God opened up my eyes. Um, And so I just started doing my own work and reading books And understanding where I was and things of that nature. Um, you know, now, um, I, I did a lot of work on my own. And and when I say on my own, I'm not saying without the help of others. It was with the help of others, but I just didn't go to therapy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a very self aware person. My problem was is that my ego was just huge. You know, and sometimes when you are when you have that ego, you are very stubborn can't nobody tell you nothing. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no matter what somebody tells you, you're still not going to listen because you're not in a place to be a student. And in order for you to listen, you got to be a student so the teacher can appear. And so when I became a student, I started listening more to my pastor, even though he was always keeping it real, but you know how, when we think that it doesn't apply to us, it just applies to everybody else in the congregation. Yep. That's the ego talking. Okay. But when you say, God, I'm ready, then your, your ears, your your ears come on and I started being more of a listener. And then, you know, I started, you know, I joined a community. I'm in two communities now. I have a coach, I have accountability partners, like I'm on calls, you know, a few days out of the week and I stay grounded. So I have a system, I have tools in place and I intentionally do. Will I go to therapy? I probably still will go to therapy, not necessarily for divorce, because I do believe that as a mother, as a single mother, as I tell people, even as a leader, and this is what we got to understand, you know, and as people, we have to stop putting leaders on pedestals like they don't hurt. I love That's the first thing we have to stop doing. They still hurt. I believe as leaders, you have to be very intentional about who you open up to because everybody like Destiny said, like people couldn't handle that she was hurting it's that we put so much trust in humans and cause we rely on them to be our idol where they don't hurt and they don't go through anything. And that's just a false expectation of anyone to think that they don't go through absolutely nothing. And so as a single mother who has a 16 year old son, um, and I pretty much have him 90% of the time, you know, we are we, going through that moment of resistance sometimes. Right. And so as a mother, I do reach out to certain men but I also said, okay, I think we might need to go to some therapy. And I'm putting that out there to say, I'm not exempt from problems. The difference is now I'm a problem solver. And that's what you have to do. You have to allow yourself to be a problem solver because there's always going to be a problem. And as I teach people for every problem, there really is a solution. It's just for you. It's up to you to humble yourself enough and find a solution to the problem. It doesn't matter if you want to change and move forward and be better. You're not free from problems because you want to do so.
2: I'm gaining so much strength from this and it's crazy because this topic is about divorce right but there's so many Mm -hmm. things that you guys are saying that could be applied to so many other facets of your life and I'm, I'm just taking it all in and I'm just like wow there's so many different things that I could look at right now like even in the past that you know breakups and just brokenness in myself that I'm like you know what this is a very healing conversation right here And I have a question for both of you guys. So one reason, give me one reason why you think divorce is so hard for women to talk about. Miss Tanya, you can go first.
4: One of the reasons is because of the guilt and the shame that comes with it. Um, As for me, my parents been married for 47 years. And so that was my model. And so for me, and I'm also that person that everything I touch, I feel like it should turn into gold. And that's not being, you know arrogant. It's just come from a confidence standpoint. Yes. I like to go hard in absolutely everything I do. And so, you know, yes, I was the wife that was very domestic. Yes. I was the wife that worked. Yes. I was the wife that went to grad school and took care of my, my son. And cause at that time we, we only had our son and you know, I cooked and I cleaned, I did everything that, people say a wife should do. But what I realized is that it still didn't turn out and I didn't yield the return that I invested. And so what happens is the expectation of believing that it's going to work out and in, in, and it didn't, you, you come with a sense of shame, guilt and failure because here's the thing. We live in a world where as women, we could be living our best life and we could be doing all the great things. But if you are not attached to someone, you're almost, It's almost like you're no one. And so what happens is people think that the only reason that you're relevant is if you're in a relationship. Mm -hmm. As a divorce coach and as a woman who just looks, I read, I do research, women are eager to get down the aisle. Women are eager to get married and they don't even know why. They just feel like, you know what, I got to have a husband because this is going to make me feel like I'm somebody but if you don't know that you are already worthy before you're attached to someone, that person is not going to be your fix. And so we're really pressured because you hear it all the time. Why are you single or where your man is? Something got to be wrong with you. Right. And and you go into a place of desperation rather than determination. There's nothing wrong with being determined to have a family, but when you're desperate to do so, you'll take anything that's available. And so when it doesn't work, you feel like you're, you're not a, you're not good at anything. You feel like you failed. You feel like you're not good enough as a woman because you define who you are by who you're attached to. Mm. And so if you, you know, and so it's that. And so for me, because my parents was married 47 years, I just knew we was going to be married. Like it wasn't even a a thought that we weren't going to be married. And because it didn't work out. And I was the person that I'm going to be honest. I knew that we needed to walk away. You know, this is the, this is real raw, right? I knew I needed to walk away. I knew this wasn't going anywhere. However, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be seen as a failure. Me staying married was like an accomplishment. Me being married, I wanted to be that woman that say, man, we made it. I wanted to be that woman, but I knew that this wasn't working. And I was like, as much as it hurts to walk away, I just had to make a decision and it hurt. It killed me because as a mother, I felt like I wasn't, you know, I disappointed my children. And so when I operated out of a place of disappointment, I felt the need to fill a void thinking that if I buy them everything, that this would take away the hurt. When in reality, my goal was to just be the best emotionally healthy mom. I can't fill a void. And so it just came with a, it just came with a, it's a domino effect, which is why I tell people to divorce the story. You can divorce the person all day, but if you still walking around with the hurt and the shame and the guilt, and believing that you're only defined by who you're attached with, therefore being desperate to go into another relationship. If you haven't forgiven yourself, if you haven't forgiven the person, then you have not moved on. You're still attached to some level of degree.
2: That's the truth right there. What's one reason for you, destiny that women don't talk about divorce?
3: Um, I have to start by saying this. So, In my book, because I always reference that because it's literally my life and things I've experienced put on paper. After Um, day one, it's called Identity. And in that chapter, I have you ask yourself, who are you? And then, of course, when we say who we are, we say, first thing we say, we identify ourselves by our roles and our titles. Like, oh, I'm a wife. I am a mom. I am this. And I am are two of the most powerful words because what put after them shapes your life. So a lot of times we struggle with divorce because we have identified ourselves with marriage. We romanticize it so much until we make that our identity. And that is what I did. Like, I was a wife. That is what I was. Like, I was the cooker, the cleaner. Like, I did all the Proverbs 31 things. But what they don't tell you is, what happens if that does not work? You know, that doesn't mean just because you do these things that it's going to make your marriage last. Yes, you should do them, but that does not guarantee sustainability. So for me, the issue was not having a real identity because I have wrapped myself in, you know, when two become one, which they should, but I didn't know who I was. I lost who I was. And so a lot of women do that. We get wrapped up in relationships, not even marriages, but relationships. And we lose sight of who we are. And we begin to identify ourselves, like Tanya said, with who we're attached to. And so when the divorce was over and I felt like God, you know, stripped me of all of these things that I thought that I was. I didn't know who I was. And so that's why I had trouble accepting it and dealing with it. Cause it's like, no, I've, this is a, I've been in this relationship for seven years. Like this has become who I am, but shoot, even after seven years, your credit is, you know, restored. So I had to look at this, you know, shoot, that's just the seven years. I We're going to restore it. We're going to start over. So that's why I had to you know, make the intent decision to discover like who is destiny. Like, who are you without the marriage? Who are you without the title? Who are you without the roles? And a lot of times women struggle with it because we look so much at romanticizing the idea of marriage, a wedding. We have so much social media that gives us the imagery. It's subliminal subduction. We see the imagery of relationship goals. I bought Bay this, Bay did that Bay 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 you know, you see the house, you see the babies, you see the the couples on the beach, like we have all of this imagery that's filtering in our minds. And we are what we see and what we think. So the more we think about it, we get so caught up on creating this life and this image that we see. So we don't think about creating what's behind it. We don't think about what it's going to take when we're in it to stick through it. Or we don't think about, you know, it's not going to be easy. So when we Divorce or when things don't work out We're left with well dang I didn't see this coming like I only saw The imagery of the wedding And you know the beautifulness of we think If we get the man and we marry him Then we can make it or at least that was me I felt like shoot I'm a good woman I can make this work Like this is gonna work like I'm the perfect wife Like I know what to do my mama married 40 years like I've seen how a woman should be I've seen what a wife should be like so my mind I felt like as long as I did everything that I was Supposed to do it was gonna work So when it didn't I was ashamed because it's like what am I going to tell people like how do I explain this to people how do I articulate why it didn't work like I don't know I tried to do it right like it just didn't work out so a lot of times we struggle with that because it's the acceptance of you know how do I explain to other people I failed at something nobody wants to be a failure and like Tanya said anything I I do or anything I commit myself to I'm giving it a hundred percent even in my marriage when I was having problems and I knew that you know what God I don't think that this is you know this is going to be the lifetime that I thought it would be. I refuse to get divorced. I was like, well, either way, I'm not divorced and I'm not filing. So <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing it. Like, uh-uh, my parents are married. Like, I don't even believe in divorce. Like, that's a sin. Like, I can't get a divorce. So I wouldn't even do it. Like, even though I knew we were at the point to where it takes two people to have to make something where you have to collectively want to make it work and want to make those differences come together. But that just wasn't the case. And I was still trying to hold on to something that, was no longer in existence so that's why I say when I went three months still wearing a ring so I'm like I'm not ready to share with people that I failed at something and I said something the other day on my facebook live I said we have to stop saying that things were a failure we have to look at it as feedback so what I thought was a failure was really all the feedback that I needed to become a better woman, to grow, to learn, to, to create this platform, to empower other people to be who it is that God called them to be. So what I thought was a failure was really the feedback that I needed to help me flourish in my life. So if we can change the ideology, if we can change the the social co- construct of, of society that makes you feel like, you know, when you get a certain age, your your validation is deemed on who you marry or if you marry. So people will say now like well if you're not married then what's wrong with you gotta be something like Tanya said. But it doesn't mean that it just means everybody has their own purpose in life and the own path that God has for them. You have to be okay with that path. If I never get remarried, but honey I do plan on it. But if I don't, I have to be okay with this is a plan for my life and the purpose has to be pursued no matter what. And if marriage is a part of that purpose oh, well, I just won't have the big fancy wedding again, but I'm okay with that.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, So, yeah, so that, that, that one reason from both of you guys, that was a whole lot. I need to, like, create, like, a gem book and then just collect all these gems from y'all and drop them in the book because it was a whole lot that was said here. And one thing I got from all of that was embarrassment, right? Like, you don't want to feel like you failed. You don't want people to see that, like, She done had this big old wedding. She done had all of this. They had the kids. They had the house. They had all of this. And now all of a sudden, oh, what did she do wrong? You know, and it's it's almost like that sense of the same thing with like talking about even mental health issues. Like you don't want people to know that you go through depression or schizophrenia or anxiety because people look at this stuff and they automatically label it as crazy. And they don't even necessarily give you the benefit of the doubt that you just really need to talk about it or you got some things that you haven't dealt with. It's embarrassment. And I think that that's a huge thing that a lot of reasons why women don't talk about it and they don't want to go through the whole details of talking about it because they got to relive it in their minds. And then you got to say it to somebody that, in time, you feel is judging you. So that is mm. a whole th- word within itself. So one-liner. I need a one-liner Um, what has divorce taught you, Miss Tanya? One line. Oh,
4: wow. Divorce taught me a lot, actually. Um, that's a really good question. It definitely has taught me that that wasn't the end. Mm. Um, if anything, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm a better woman because of it. Love it. Um, You know, I think that 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 was the goal, you know, kind of going back to what Destiny said um, about, you know, when people ask, who are you? And um, I I talk about that as well, about self-identity. And what I realized is that I defined who I was by what I had attached to me, whether it been a degree, a mom, a wife, a daughter. And what I realized was that I lost my voice because I was trying to be what everybody else wanted me to be like this perfect wife, this perfect mom. And when I, my divorce allowed me to find my voice, my bold voice, my honest voice, the voice that many people are afraid of um, using because of what other people might think of them. And I'm very bold in my words. I'm very bold in my voice. And I lost that woman. Or I would say I never gave the opportunity for her to come out and shine. And so because of my divorce, um, it has allowed me to be not only a better woman, but to help other women as well. So, for me, divorce helped me find my voice. That's
2: good. That's good. Destiny, one line. What has one line.
4: Much? Okay, I'm making one line. Little um, little all
3: right. Check checking it? <laughs> y'all. It's hard to do, ain't it? Can't, I can't give you one line. But with, line with line. speakers... We, did it. we don't do any <laughs> Um divorce uh, right? hard. Uh, divorce taught me to define myself by my purpose and not my pain. Mm. One line.
2: oh drops mic. Mm. Walk away. Um that oh my gosh, y'all don't know. I'm over here taking all types of notes. You should see my notebook. Looks real scribbly. Um so as we're getting to the wrap up, right? you guys have two different perspectives. So I want to hear two different perspectives on this destiny. What is your advice to millennial divorcees?
3: So millennial divorcees, um, my advice to them is uh, learn to reverse engineer everything that you've gone through. So every experience from the divorce, how can I extract something out of it to become a better me? How can I use what I thought seeming, seemingly was a failure and turn that into the feedback I need to flourish into the woman that I need to be? Keep
2: it simple. <laughs> oh, I love it. Miss Tanya, what yes. you got for the generation Y, X, baby boomers, everybody? What's, what's, what's some advice?
4: I would definitely say ownership. Mm. Um. I talk about ownership a lot as a divorce coach and, um, typically when you tell people to take ownership, they tend to think that it takes away from what someone else has done to them. Right. Right. But earlier I mentioned that the only person that you can control is you. Right. And in order for you to do that, you have to take responsibility. You get nothing out of blame. Nothing comes from blame, but shame and guilt and failure. But when you come and you operate from a place of ownership, you take pride in it. So like when you own a home, you take pride in it. When you own a car, you take pride in it. Or if you own a business, you take pride in it. So when you own your life, you got to take pride in that. And taking that type of pride means that, you know what? I'm hurting right now and I need to deal with this. And if you're unable to do it on your own, Humble yourself enough to reach out because that's where the healing begins when you come to a place of self awareness. That you may can't figure this out on your own, maybe you need someone to help you coach you out of your story, but you cannot do that without taking the level of ownership and saying, You know what? No matter what has happened to my life, this is still my life, and I am the author. And this does not define the entire book of my life. This is only a chapter, but it's up for, its up to me on how I determine to write the rest of the pages. That's it.
2: I love it. I mm-hmm. love it. I want to thank you, ladies, so much for coming on and sharing so <laughs> much of you with these women. I know, I know for a fact that somebody is sitting there listening to this right now and they're just like, Thank you. Somebody is speaking up for what I feel. Somebody is giving me some resources, some tools, some powerful things that can move me out of my situation. And I think that that's what matters right now. We have the conversations. We talk about the untalkables, you know, my made-up word. And we just make stuff happen for us. But I would be out of my mind and crazy if I did not allow the people to find out how they can connect with you what the new things you have coming up etc etc coaching programs whatever tell the people how they can get in touch with you Miss Tanya
4: okay so I'm on Instagram um, as Miss Tanya speaks Um, I do lives on Instagram every Thursday at 9pm and I talk about different topics um, when it comes to divorce and relationships Um, my Facebook is Miss Tanya Speaks I do have a group coaching community for women, um, for personal and professional development for women to, you know, discover their inner voices and be liter- leaderships leaders. I'm sorry, in their homes and businesses. And so, um, you can find me there at reinventyou.life, and I also have a 12 week divorce your story program. Okay, and that is a 12 week program that you will be working with me directly at divorceyourstory.com. And for those who want to find me on my main website, it's Tanyacarter.com.
2: <laughs> awesome. That is awesome. Y'all better y'all better stop playing and head on over to her website now. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, this is what she do. She do do. Okay? So um, I need you to make sure that if you are in a place right now where you need a divorce coach, where you need a powerful woman that is able to push you forward, Don't say I didn't connect you. Destiny, how can the people get in touch with you, girl? People, how they can connect with
3: you. Okay, well, I am at Destiny Inspire on all social media platforms. That's Destiny, D E S T I N Y, Inspire, I N S P I R E. Um, I am on Instagram, I am on Twitter, uh, I am also on Facebook, Destiny Inspire. Um, I have an empowerment text. that I have going on where I send out empowerment text and inspiration. You also get first looks, um, at anything that I have going on. Uh, and that is my text campaign, which is five, five, two, two, two. And you are simply texting destiny inspired to five, five, two, two, two to stay up to date on what I have going on and also to get your, um, you know, weekly empowerments. Uh, right now I have launched officially the queen council. Uh, that is my empowerment and coaching community, uh, we are the beauty, the brains, and we're about our business. Uh, it is also personal development, professional development, as well as spiritual development. Um, so that is my tribe of queens. Um, you can get more information from that at my website, uh, thequeencouncil.com, or on my personal website, destinyinspire.com. You can find all that information there. Um, I also... Uh, I am a certified life coach. So I do one-on-one coaching as well as group coaching. Uh, my book, Discovering Destiny, a 31-day guide to finding yourself and fulfilling your purpose. Uh, it is available on Amazon as well as on my website. And it is a day-by-day uh sizable book that you can extract nuggets from every single day to help empower you to walk in your purpose and empower your world. So Desi Inspired online, info at Desi Inspired via email.
2: Awesome, awesome. Ladies, I done brought y'all the heat. So go get you a pot and put it on top of the fire and boil something up, okay? Because this right here done gave you a little bit of something that you needed. Whether you're divorced or been through a relationship or just been through something, okay? This conversation right here should set your soul on fire, Now, we all know that this is a journey, and that's what Recrown You is about. It's about the journey to restore, reset, and reclaim. You. You. All of you. Every part of you. So don't be afraid to take the journey, ladies, because that's what we are here for. But in the meantime, in between time, I'll catch y'all next time. You know it's time. time. Recrown.